Now, so let's come to the fourth technique. I'm going to do the fourth technique and the fifth technique together, but I'll start with the fourth technique. Because internal rate of return can only be done after we know about what? The net present value. So the net present value simply has to do with the discounting of future cash flows on projects or of projects into what? Present tense. What does that mean then? It means that we are going to be doing the NPV schedule or schedule, depending on the school you attended and the teacher who taught you phonics. So we're going to be doing the NPV schedule. So when we are doing the NPV schedule, what are the things that we bring and what are the things that we don't bring? So there are a couple of rules that guide the preparation of the NPV schedule that I want to go through with you. Number one, in the NPV schedule, we don't bring non-cash items. Now when we talk about non-cash items here, we are talking about issues such as depreciation. So we don't consider depreciation. We don't consider absorption of overheads. We don't do that. So depreciation is a non-cash item. Absorption of overheads is also non-cash item. So non-cash items are not included. That's the first rule. The second thing is that interest or finance cost is also not considered in the shadow. Why is that so? Because the interest expenses has been adjusted at the discount rates that we'll be using. The effect of the interest has been adjusted in the discount rate which we're going to be using later on. So we don't bring finance costs about it. Third, we only bring what we call future costs or incremental costs. We only bring future costs or incremental costs. Now, what are future costs or what are incremental costs? These are additional costs or costs that the entity incurs as a result of the making of the decision. Incremental costs. What does that mean then? It means past costs or better still, sunk costs are not included in our MPV schedule. Past costs or sunk costs are not included. So if, for instance, the company did a research, before now they are deciding on the project, the cost of the research is what? A sunk cost. It is a committed cost. Another name of sunk, uh, it's also a committed cost. We've already incurred it in the past and hence cannot be what? Included in the schedule. That is very important about that. Then the other thing it's about opportunity cost. 
for opportunity cost, it has to be included if it is in the question. Why is that so? Because opportunity cost is a relevant cost. It's a relevant cost. Now, for instance, if we use a machine for this project, it means the, pro the machine will not be available for another project. So the money we are losing for using the machine for this project is what we refer to as what? The opportunity cost. So opportunity cost from the economics class, we can say it is the want for gone in order to obtain what? Another. So if we are losing money for using something, or we are losing money for transferring any resources, it becomes what? An opportunity cost. So for instance, let's say we are undertaking a project, and we require a specialist. And that specialist is already in our company. And the specialist is already working on a project. Then we are working on a new project, and we can't bring any specialist, and we need to use this specialist on the new project. Now follow me carefully. When we use this specialist on a new project, it means the specialist will not be available for what? The existing project. Now, if because of bringing the specialist on the new project, we will have to pay any penalty, then that penalty becomes what? The opportunity cost. And for that reason, must be included in the computation of our schedule. Another thing to be considering or to consider is that there may be working capital in the question. There may be working capital. If there are working capital in the question, we have to what? Include it. But the way we include working capital is that whether the examiner tells us or not, outflows of working capital, outflows of working capital comes as inflows at the end of the project. At the end of the project life. This principle or rule is very important. Outflows of working capital comes as inflows at the end of the project. What does that mean? So let's say we have a project that has a lifespan of four years. So year one, year two, year three, year four. If there is working capital in year two, which is $200, that is an outflow. But the rule states that every outflow of working capital should come back into the business as well, inflow. So at the end of the project, it will be there as well, an addition. That is what we mean by that rule. Then the second thing is that sometimes working capital is not released once. Working capital is released throughout the life of the project. For that reason, we consider only the incremental cost of capital. Sorry, incremental working capital. So incremental working capital is considered 
in subsequent years. Incremental working capital is considered in subsequent years. And I'm going to be explaining and refer you back to this principle where we are solving a question that has working capital. The next thing is to talk about taxation. Every working capital schedule we do, certainly we must include the issue about what? Tax. Now, this is what will guide you the way your schedule is prepared. When it comes to the tax payments, there are two things you must understand. Tax can be paid in arrears, or taxes can be paid in the year, in the year cash flows is end. In the year cash flow is end. Two things. Now, the way taxes are paid will affect the schedule you want prepare. What do I mean by that? If tax is paid in arrears, please note that it means year one starts will be paid in year two. For that reason, even if the project has four-year lifespan, you need to add what? Another year to make it five years. That's very important. So if the payment of the tax is in arrears, then you have to do five periods, even though there are four-year lifespan for the project. Please note that the way taxes are paid will affect the way you do your schedule because that is critical. But if taxes are paid immediately, that is as and when revenue or cash inflows is end, then the same period will be done for the same lifespan of what? The asset. So if the asset life is four, our schedule will also be what? Four years. So that is the issue about taxes. Now, because depreciation is not allowable in the schedule, the tax authority gives us what we call capital allowance. So the tax authority gives us capital allowance. And the way capital allowance is computed will depend on the question. But sometimes the examiner will say capital allowance is computed at maybe 25% reducing balance basis. So I'm going to use a guinea pig question to help you to do capital allowance because that is one of the areas that students struggle with. So I'm going to use a guinea pig illustration here. Men's Limited had an asset sorry wants to invest in a new equipment at a cost of $18,000 capital allowance can be claimed as 
follows. 15% reducing balance. 15% reducing balance. If tax rate is 20% and the economic useful life of the asset is 6 years, calculate or compute. The capital allowance. Compute the capital allowance.